What's wrong with you people? Welcome to Not Another Baptist Podcast, a weekly podcast exploring the ins and outs of church revitalization and is sponsored by Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. As you know, the ministry landscape is changing faster than ever, and ministers of every calling need versatile training for today's church and marketplace. And so, in partnership with Dallas Baptist University, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary is now enrolling students in their new MDiv plus MBA program. With a biblically faithful foundation, hands-on ministry experience, and contemporary business training, this is a program for tomorrow's pastors, missionaries, entrepreneurs, and lay leaders. To learn more, visit swibbits.edu slash mdivmba. Let's dig in. Hey friends, welcome to yet another Not Another Baptist podcast. The gift that keeps on giving, it's like a curse that just won't go away. Really kind of like... uh, COVID-19. Kyle, however, is away and had a last minute emergency with his daughter. And so he is running her to the orthodontist. Days that I don't miss at all. And in his place, we have Daniel Ritchie. How are you doing, bro? But I'm, I'm doing good, man. I mean, I... I, I... I hate that I'm having to pinch it for Kyle like this, but, you know, if it gives me an excuse to hang out and, and, and talk with you, and I'll, I'll take it. And that was the nicest thing somebody said to me today. Actually, nobody said anything to me today, but that is <laughs> up there with the nicest things so far. Well, last week, we discussed the 13 things that a pastor should not say to a church member. And uh, we had a great response to that. And Lifeway Research asked me to write kind of the follow-up to to flip the script, so to speak, and to deal with the 13 things a churchgoer should never say to a pastor. And I didn't really want to get fired. And so I asked some friends for some help. And uh, and I just asked in a pastor group, I was like, hey, what's like the worst thing a church member has ever said to you? And like within 30 minutes, we probably had 20 to 30 replies. And, and it was like picking your favorite child uh, at that point between which one. I mean, they were all terrible. They were all equally terrible. And so the list could have been 50 by the end of the day. Uh, but I was able to narrow it down to 13 things a churchgoer should never say to a pastor. And so Daniel and I are going to walk through a few of these and then share in the show notes the link if you'd like to read the rest And the first one is quite simply, you couldn't preach your way out of a paper bag. Woo! Man, (laughs) this one wasn't hard to me, but that's pretty harsh. And and I said that the gift of discouragement is strong with this one. (laughs) And so we need to pray for our pastors, (laughs) encouraging them, but we don't need to be tearing them down. Daniel, why would this... I believe this is pretty obvious, but why is this not helpful to say to your pastor? Yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about letting the air out of a out of a pastor's <laughs> balloon, it's going to be okay. You know that most public and important thing you do on a Sunday? Well, you really suck at it. You know yeah. that's yeah. that's tough. That's a that's that's a hard 
that's a, that's a hard blow to have to endure, but it's like, I think too, in, in people's minds, it's like, you know, we, we get used to the pastors that it's like, I mean, they've got 20, 30 years of, of preaching experience in, in front of them and they've done a great job. And then the new guy comes in and he just does not have those reps. And, and if I'm honest, like I've, I've been preaching 20 years and to think just of, of how God has grown me in probably the last five or 10, it's very telling. And so I think there, there has to be, uh, you know, as much as we're patient with those like growing in Christ and growing in, in you know, in sanctification, I think I think the same has to be true in, in how we see our pastors. Yeah. And, and what I really wanted to write there is like, we know <laughs> like, we get it. We're, we're our worst critic anyway. We don't need you to add to this. And uh, yeah. because I, I went back what you were talking about, you know, after preaching for 20 years, uh, we're back home, really, in Collin County. We're living in Farmersville. And I had served in two churches on either side of Farmersville for a while in Josephine and Blue Ridge. And that would have been really about 20 years ago, almost. And uh, at one of them, Blue Ridge, I got to preach uh, fairly often. And we had CDs made of every service. So this was back, that, that was still pretty new then. Uh, that was after the, you know, the cassette tape thing. Uh, but we, we had some CDs. And so I decided <laughs> that I just really wanted to feel terrible about myself. So I put in one of those CDs and I listened to my sermon. And I was like, that is the worst preacher on the face of the earth. And then I right. listened to a sermon about five years ago. And I was like, He's better, but he's still up there with the worst. And then I listened to one like a week ago and I'm like, oh man. And so, yeah, we, we don't need this kind of discouragement. And so the best thing to do is pray for them, encourage them. Don't tear them down because probably some of us are tearing ourselves down enough. We don't need any help whatsoever. And, uh, and you touched on something about, you know, the, uh, you know, maybe coming in after a seasoned guy. There was another one that I shared. We aren't going to get as close to you as the last pastor. And so what I said there was, to be honest, <laughs> you might be right. Uh, but that new guy is not your last pastor. He's your pastor. And so my encouragement was to open your heart and your life to him. Give it some time with prayer and faithfulness. And you might be surprised. And so I followed a long time pastor uh, in Mayhill. And so this was something that it wasn't really a concern to me, but I knew that he was loved and he loved them well. And and I didn't want to come in and be, you know, him 2.0 or try and replace him or anything else, just striving to be Matt as as you would strive to be Daniel. What are your thoughts on on that? You know, that we're not going to be as close to you as the last pastor. Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, uh, I, I I was a student pastor for 12 years and, and you would see it, you know, especially when you showed up, um, you know, those first few months, there was definitely reluctance like, is is he going to leave again? You know, I, I don't want to open myself up and, and get hurt again. And so, you know, a lot of a lot of times you will hear from guys that probably not until 12 to eight. 18 months in, do you start gaining, I think, some of those deep and meaningful relationships? Um, but but I think too, it's like from a congregant's perspective, 
it's like we we have to give that guy the the benefit of a doubt and to think that he did not move his family to to my church just to uproot them and and leave again in a year and a half two years and so I, I think to to assume that he's all in he's going to love me he's going to shepherd me well and to afford them the opportunity to to get close to get to know him to love him to allow him to shepherd you I think is is what's going to be most beneficial for the church moving forward. Uh, the second one, we we bounced forward because it just made such a perfect transition. But but to back up just a little bit, this one I think would trigger Daniel the most. Number two, because as an evangelist, this is your message. And, and as any preacher of the word, this is our message. That's the gospel. And so number two was we get it. We need to share the gospel. Find something else to preach. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, well, they can take that up with Jesus. And I listed some passages in Paul and I listed mm. some more passages. I'm like, that's kind of what we're called to do because, you mm. know, we're, we are called to make disciples of all nations, blah, 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 blah. And, and if Jesus did not have that as a critically important part of your ministry here on earth, the moment you're saved, you would be raptured up to glory. But we're left here mm. to evangelize, to share the gospel. Right. And so, what, as one that does share the gospel, that has really accepted this call, uh, what what are your thoughts if you were to hear that from somebody? We we get it. We need to share it. Go on, find something else to preach. So I guess I guess my question would be, man, tell tell me about your past few gospel conversations yeah. <laughs> you've had with with family, with community members, because it's like I know we know it, but it's just I think the vast majority. And I don't have any statistics on this. This is just going off of, I, I don't know, uh, the, the conversations I've had recently with so many people. I don't, I don't feel like many people in the pews are sharing the gospel with the people that they love. And, um, and, and so I, I think the, the preaching keeps happening because we're not seeing the, the Great Commission being lived out in and among our communities. So it's like, again, if you're tired of hearing of it, well, then. Go and do it. Go do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Dr. Queen said something in class when when I had him for evangelism uh, about, you know, they were griping about, you know, door to door just doesn't really work anymore. You know, and mm. he said, well, tell me about the way you do it. And it's yeah. a, little, a little quieter at that point. <laughs> so, you know, Dr. Queen, <laughs> Daniel Ritchie have no chill. <laughs> just tell me how you're doing it. And, and yeah. then maybe I'll move on. Uh, number three. <laughs> Now, I have to preface this a little bit because <laughs> uh, for Christmas, I wear a hideous Christmas suit. Amen. And on the Sunday after the Astros usually clinch a playoff spot, I wear a bright orange. We're talking like safety orange suit with an Astros t-shirt underneath. So I am not the epitome of pastor dress code. But number three said, I can't look at you when you preach because you don't wear a suit. Aren't you the high priest of this church? You're supposed, you're supposed to dress like it. And, and so, so I said, as one who wears ugly Christmas suits, like robes with bells and pomegranates on the fringe wouldn't be the most shocking thing I've worn. But focus less on what your pastor wears and more on living out what he proclaims. Daniel, I don't even know where to start with this. I'll just turn it over to you. Like, this mm. is this is crazy. 
What do you think? Oh man, uh, you know, I, I I think it like I think at this point I get a free pass because I can't tie a tie or tuck in my shirt, so it's just like I'm I'm sort of the epitome of this point. And so, uh, but I have been told that. Like I even, gosh, years ago I interviewed at a church. And, um, and they asked me, they were like, well, can you wear, wear a tie? And I was like, no, I can't tie. And they were like, can you tuck in your shirt? And I was like, no, I can't do that either. And the interview stopped. They were like, all right, well, thanks for coming out. And, and it's just like, man, we're, we're, we're putting a lot of stock in something that, that just really is, it's not that important. Like, do, do I care about my pastor's theology or like my my pastor's um orthopraxy as much as i care about what he's wearing on sundays so it's like but i i know it's important to look good you know look good ish uh but we got to put the right emphasis in the right place i think similarly preacher that would be or that was a good message it would have been better if you weren't so fat now, <laughs> now, I went down to about 140 pounds uh, right. for for a while, and and I looked, and I was probably more unhealthy then than I am now post COVID nineteen, which for me was like COVID thirty, and then the dissertation twenty. Like I've packed on a, a few pounds, so this one hits it's kind of home. Preacher, that was a good <laughs> message. It would have been better if you weren't so fat. Like it, it's it's bad enough, but they added the so in there too. Like you know, yeah, so yeah. Like I, I just yeah. hear them saying it. And so while we should strive to be spiritually, emotionally, and physically healthy. That is just a downright hateful comment. And I just said, please don't say things like this. And so this kind of goes back to the dress code thing. Uh, but but beyond, of course, we we it's kind of like the bad uh, message or, or whatever that one day we'll figure out how to preach type deal. We know, like, mm-hmm. I know that I'm heavy. I don't need the reminder. <laughs> like, encourage me. <laughs> you know, let's, let's go for a run together. Let's go for a hike. Like, there's other ways to go about this. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, um, I mean... <laughs> If, if uh, any of you guys were, were in Nashville over the summer, we're not a skinny denomination, you know, especially when it comes to pastors. Um, so this this might hit home with, with a lot of guys. So, you know, again, you're worried about yourself. I, I think just like Matt was saying, be be encouraging and less discouraging. Maybe, maybe it's to, um, if you truly are at your pastor's health, other than just throwing them under the bus. Yeah. Well, say what you want, because you obviously don't look at my tithe amount. That was number five. You obviously don't look at my tithe amount. And and we had actually several uh, along these lines in some way. Like I tithe, so I pay your salary. Or I tithe, so I own you. Or mm. I tithe, so that means that you work for me. And it's mm. usually said by someone who didn't get their way. And And what I added there is it's not pay to play. I mean, we're we're giving not to even really to support the pastor. Ultimately, we're giving so that he can support his his family, and then all of us together are able to advance the kingdom. And so we do that through the various ministries of the church. Of course, as Southern Baptists, we do that as we give through the cooperative program to fund missionaries and so forth. In addition to that, uh, but man, <laughs> like we we had some like spiritual abuse issues in the thirteen mm. things that a pastor shouldn't say to a congregant. This is kind of on that same vein on the opposite side. You you obviously don't look at what I give like. Because I give so much, I need more say. That's just not the way it works in a congregational church. 
Daniel, I, I think you would probably just say amen. But what else would you add there? Like, it's just. I mean, hey, I think the book of James uh, speaks yeah. against this yeah. in a lot of ways. And, and so, you know, clearly we're not we're not going to favor the rich over the poor. But then, too, I would also say the vast majority of pastors I know do not know what you give. And, and so don't think that it, that it's like they're they're basing their love or their pursuit of you on on what you give, because I would dare say probably 90 percent of the guys that I know, they have no idea what their people give. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was one of the things that was important to me. There's there's discussion about this and certainly some disagreements, but I didn't want what somebody gave to to flavor or to color how I was going to minister to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I usually wanted to know whether whether or not someone was giving in general. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't need to know the amount because I didn't want to think, oh, well, you know, Daniel gives this amount. So I, I need to defer to him. Well, this guy only gives 100 a month. He doesn't really matter. Like if he goes, mm-hmm. it's OK. That's just not the way that it works. And uh, and so for for me, I I wanted to know that they were faithful in giving just in the sense that, you know, it is a gospel issue. It is something that we're called to do. Uh, but I didn't want to know the amounts. And so. So, yeah, that's a good word. And uh, since we've kind of teed off on a few of these let's do some funny ones because number 10 (laughs) that i'm leaving because it's too cold in here we need to keep it at 78 and in this one hit home as well because i love my mom and dad Mm -hmm. but i can't remember a time that the air conditioner was not set on 78 in their home and it's like like I feel like it's just a taste of hell. Like thank God oh, they're going sure. to, to heaven because if if they went to hell they'd be like, oh this is nice. Like because it's so <laughs> hot. And yeah. uh, and so so I said most of the things that we shared were pretty harsh. Uh, but uh, but what I added was everyone knows it's sixty eight. And so I, I'm Amen. I'm interested to hear what what is your perfect temperature uh, at home and then maybe in the sanctuary. Okay, so I, I married the most cold-blooded woman in the world. So what what our house is set on is is not what I enjoy. I, I would be happy with like a sixty-eight to seventy, um, but but we're pretty much so like a seventy-two to seventy-four, uh, that depending on the time of year. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Back at May Hill, we you know we were in the mountains, and so usually it could be cool in the morning, mm. uh, certainly in the summer, and then get sometimes get kind of warm in the. Uh, afternoon or as the service was really going on, but you put a hundred and something people in a room and it's going to warm up anyway. And so you need it to be a little bit chilly, not really chilly, but cool as you're coming in because just body warmth. And then when you start singing and talking and everything else, it's going to warm up where you're at. But then remember your poor pastor (laughs) up there in the pulpit with lights on them and everything else. It's hot. Oh, bro. Yeah. So, you know, we, we joke about all the churches that have like the blankets and stuff like that on them. Like, that's not a bad idea. Just if you, if you're cold nature, just take a sweatshirt, you know, like you'll be fine. I I mean, I I had a, I had an old pastor friend. He used to, he used to set the the sanctuary on like 66, 67, but he would always joke. He said, you know, you, you never know anybody to, to fall asleep when they're shivering. So he was like, I'm just, I'm just trying to keep my people awake. And, uh, and I mean, Hey, that's a, that's a good tactic. Yeah. Well, we, we had the thermostat in the sanctuary and we had to put it in a lock box that people figured out <laughs> how the other lockbox that we had, you could still slide like a paperclip up there and move the thermostat back and forth. 
And so they would still, you know, turn it down or turn it up or whatever. And so what I did is when somebody would say it's, it's cold, like this is probably not the most honest thing to do in the world, but I would say, Oh, okay, I'll, I'll go handle it. And so I'd go and I'd unlock the thing and I would put my hand on the thermostat deal. I'd close it. I'd lock it. I didn't move it an inch. And then like, I would look at them and then they were like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm like, yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes it's in our heads. And, uh, yeah, and I, yeah. I know that once everybody got in there, it was going to still be warm. And so right. anyway, uh, finally, uh, you just canceled church during COVID so you could have more vacation time. Oh, this man. one triggered me a lot because I, I yeah. did do this one. You just, and we really didn't even cancel church. Uh, we, we did the drive-in deal. Uh, but, uh, but they, they just thought this meant we were able to have more vacation time. And I just said three words, worst vacation ever. Like I want 100%. my money back. That gets yeah. one star on, on Yelp or Google reviews. <laughs> That's not fun at all. Yeah. Man, if, like give us some encouragement on the COVID thing. I mean, hey, if I'm going to go on a vacation, it's not going to be trapped in my house <laughs> with my kids trying to do virtual school. And then we can't go and escape anywhere because the world's on lockdown. Yeah. Like that's that's not my idea of a, of a vacation <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. Especially since you, you said your house is hot. So yes, like, yes, yes. Like it's like I'm, I'm sweating all the more uh, with, yeah. with all of this going on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, after all, a lot of work goes into crafting sermons. A lot of time goes into ministering to the needs of church members. So respect and humble prayer will help your pastor far more than biting criticism. These 13 things a churchgoer should never, ever say to their pastor. We're going to put in the show notes and encourage you not to say any of them, but maybe come up with a way to say the opposite, uh, that we appreciate you. We yeah. love you. We see you. We're grateful for this. We're grateful for that. And uh, and especially as we wind down October, which is Pastor Appreciation Month, uh, take some time to really bless your pastor so he knows what he does matters to you. And so, Daniel, uh, before we wind down, why don't you share? There's a little project you've been working on that has been brewing for a little while, like my pot of coffee behind me. And so Amen. share with our listeners what you've done and when it'll be here. Yeah, so um, I've uh, completed writing my second book um, called Endure, and so man, this is just uh, this is a book that'll come out uh, February of next year, um, both a book and a small group, and and really at the end of the day, it's just like, uh, and I mean, like you've talked about, the past year and a half have has been tough and it is, um, it, man, it has been draining. And, uh, and, and so more than anything, I just wanted to write this book to encourage the church to just give, I think, just theological perspective in that God's got our back moving forward. But then all also, just how do we how do we look more like Jesus? How do we honor Jesus in both big and little things in our lives, day in day out? And so, um, hopefully, it's a it's a fiercely encouraging and practical book um, that that's just going to help you chase Jesus uh, more in the days and weeks to come. And I will concur with that. It is incredibly encouraging. And I'm grateful for the chance to get a little glimpse of it before anybody else or with a few of your uh, friends that were giving endorsements. So it was an honor to get to read it and endorse it. And I'm glad they were willing to wait because I was severely <laughs> late. I did not endure 
to the due date. I, I persevered through the due date, but I didn't I, have, I did endure I, and I was able to give you an endorsement. Hey man, I'm not naming names, but you're not the only one. Okay. Like I, I, I had to chase after a few of you guys. So, but you were you were proactive in it. You were like, all right, it's gonna be late. Right, it's gonna be later. Uh, but but you were you you were proactive about it. I, I didn't have to like hunt you down and uh, and like strangle the strangle the endorsement out of you. Yeah. So well done. Yeah. Well, I I appreciate it, and uh, and I I am grateful for for you and our friendship. We finally got to meet at uh, Nashville and uh, get to hang out a bit, and uh, and I look forward to more time to get to do that as well, and certainly in Anaheim. And uh, yeah. also, you like to post some of your clips from your preaching and so forth on Twitter. Where can people follow you on Twitter and maybe find some of your sermons and that kind of thing if they want to be uh, fiercely encouraged, as you said, because uh, you really live out what you wrote in that book. Oh, well, thank you, brother. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, you can you can track me down um, on Twitter at Daniel Ritchie. Um, it's Ritchie with a T-R-I-T-C-H-I-E. Um, or you can also hunt, hunt me down on uh, on the internet, just DanielRitchie.com. Um, yeah, I'd love to just interact with y'all and and hopefully be encouraged by some some of your uh, some of y'all y'all's tweets and sermon clips and stuff like that. Man, that's the that's the beauty about the body of Christ. So yeah, man, track track me down. But not on Twitter, man. There's no encouragement there. <laughs> it's, it's, a it's, a, it, it's, it's a cesspool of, uh, I mean, is, the, is this the picture of, what was it, Gehenna? When uh, I, think, I think Jesus had Twitter in mind when he was talking about that. Yes, for sure. And, and that's one of the reasons that you need to follow Daniel, uh, because your, your Twitter feed is what you make of it. And so it can be encouraging or it can be discouraging and belittling. It just depends on who you follow. So find some good follows. But until next time, may your coffee be as black as night and as bold as the gospel we declare. Thanks for joining us today at Not Another Baptist Podcast. We're also grateful for our sponsors, the Christian Standard Bible who present the truth of God's Word with accuracy and clarity for today's readers, equipping them for lifelong discipleship. It's a Bible you can teach from with confidence and a Bible you can share with your neighbor hearing God's Word for the very first time. The CSB, accurate, readable, shareable. Visit csbible.com for more. What's wrong with you people? <laughs>